Torpedo. We're gonna. We're gonna. Damn the torpedo. We're gonna get ready. Welcome to the edge of nowhere. and welcome to the Monster Lore Tour Paranormal Deep Dives from the Edge of Nowhere podcast. This is your host, Jeremy Carr. I'm here in the garage along with my co-host and the Statler to my Waldorf, nice. Mr. Matt Ozero, a.k.a. The Moz. How are we doing today, Moz? Good. We were down in Joe's garage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you like the Statler to the Waldorf? I heard the little nice oh, you dropped Oh, yes. I mean, I... I I don't know which was which, actually. Statler's the, the fatter one, I'm thinking. I thought it was the other way around. Nah, you might be right. We can sit here and argue about it all day, because we are the Statler and Waldorf of the podcast yeah. world right now, at yeah. the moment, anyway. We do feel like two old guys in the balcony just looking down at the at the mm. bread and circuses, being like, wow. I'm not old enough yet to sit in that balcony. Well then, I'm just going to say, I'm not old enough yet. To you're the pre-Statler <laughs> to my Waldorf. <laughs> Statler and training. Um, yeah, Statler and training. There you go. I, I do look forward to being a grumpy old man someday. I think that'll be fun. Padua. But anywho, uh, I'm a little excited because we are here for our first official full-on interview episode for the Monster Lore Tour. Been looking forward to getting these interviews out. Uh, we do skip around timelines a little bit, so we're, we're very opportunistic with our interview gathering. So... We actually recorded this interview well before we recorded the two episodes that it's following up on the same subject. But yes, this is the us file for the skin walker of our friends and someone else who's sitting right here. And we're kind of got this these great interviews that directly relate to what we just talked about. Right. It just fits so well with this. This is the place for this interview kind of thing. And uh, what we're going to do. When you add it all up, we're going to give you a third-hand account, a second-hand account, and two first-hand accounts. And, and you're the last first-hand The account. last one will actually be me after the Alex Bone interview when we wrap it all up. I'm going to give you my story that we've kind of wrap been hinting at. Now, now for two-plus episodes, we've been hinting at my quote-unquote big story. Yeah, and so it's not your big one. It's your second big of the same genre. Well, I'd say this is my uh, best one. Okay. It, it tells the best, honestly. Okay. But uh, I do have another one we're going to save for later. The weirdest one. The weirdest one. The yeah, the other one's one. really weird. We're saving that one for a little later if we can save get uh, the later. other seeing if we can get the other people involved to come on and if not I'll just do it on my own at some point. Just get the skin blanker on. Let's make oh, this there you happen. Go. That would be a great interview, dude. That'd be a great interview. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. But anyway, I'm talking about timelines. Uh, yeah. And uh, so we got ahead of ourselves with this interview. If we say things in the wrong tense, like 
past present tense it sounds a little funny because of that that's why it's because we recorded it well before the other stuff yeah uh what else did i want to say oh i do want to give a little old business for this before we even start uh at one point we're talking about walnut canyon how it was um inhabited by the anasazi we we were really kind of talking about the Sanagua tribe when we said that our context was a little off. Was it both though? I mean, it's I mean, ultimately it was both, but we're talking about the, the ruins at Walnut Canyon. Yeah, if you Canyon. read the signs, the signage on the Walnut right. Canyon ruins and right. they're kind of the cliff dwelling type. Right. The Anasazi were here and they left and then the Sanagua were here and they left and then the people who were here now showed up. Right. <laughs> That's basically how that went. But uh, so a little bit of something to think about as we get into it. Oh, so old business. Do you have any other old business? Yeah, to, just to wrap up the couple of episodes, there's one thing I wanted to say is that we found out your totem animal was the bear. Yeah. I want to remind people it's very respectable. Yeah. So I, had to, I did not answer what mine was, so I had to actually think about this a little bit. And mine is Mad Dog 2020, <laughs> which for you kids oh is a very respectable malt liquor product. Don't drink the Mad Dog, kids. <laughs> it does bad things to your soul. But what happens if we give Mad Cujo's to the Mad Dog 2020? Oh, no. And this week's Mad Cujo's <laughs> Award goes to Mad Dog 2020. Banana red. Ah, boy. Which is my favorite flavor, by the way. Gross. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you have to have Mad You're Dog. gross. I can't believe you made me give an award to Mad Dog 2020. Although a Mad Cujo's Award for Mad Dog is just... <laughs> A little it's too wrong. on the nose, it's right? Just a little wrong. too on the nose, it's maybe. A, it's a double woofer or something. Actually, we're going to do a double this week because I also want to give a Mad Cujo's award to Al- Mr. Alex Bone for doing this interview for us. So. Yeah. I mean, it goes without saying. Mad Cujo's for Alex it. Bone. Mad Cujo's. <laughs> but I also want to say on the Those totem side. Drop right in there and just be annoying. Okay, go ahead. But on the totem side, <laughs> you should never reveal your totem animal. Actually, oh, you're not supposed to tell people that. See, here's the thing: we're learning about shamans. We're learning about these what they can go south. And if you tell people, to, like I could make you a bear burger that you didn't know about, and you'd be eating your, you could get sick or die from eating the meat of your totem animal. It's almost a global kind of phenomenon that there's so many tribes. I tried bear once. I didn't like it at all. There you go. And yeah, it, you know. So now, now you know. And I was I, like, oh, that's gnarly. And everybody else yeah. said, what are you talking about? That's good. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't even eat it. Really. But good. So now that's you know. Intro- like, that happened in my teens. Yeah. I'm going to stick. I just figured that out. A little, that's crazy. A little grizzly in this your This is blender. why we need a podcast, Moss. You're learning a lot. But you're not actually supposed So if you want to go back and edit that out, you can. If you feel comfortable, people won't put beer in your blender. Bear in your blender. Bear in my blender. Beer, beer in your blender is okay. I dare you. <laughs> takes out the carbonation, though. It's not recommended for that reason. But bear in your blender, it's not a good thing. No. Or bear in your fender. It's going to hurt Ooh. that vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to put. Going to leave a dent. So that's my last point is just to make a little total no, that's, knowledge. No, that is good to know, yes. No. That's good to know. Cool. Oh, and that's the last old business. Okay. So we are going to get to uh, this interview that was recorded down in Tucson a while back and give you some really kind of intense skin walker stories along with uh, a, a couple other kind of randomness things that we got from Alex Bone. 
And we will be back at the conclusion of this interview with our report from the scouting mission out to uh, the secret camp in Walnut Canyon, which you will understand all that once you listen to the interview. We'll see you in a little bit. But hang on. Be warned. He does say the full name about 57 times. He uses... Oh, right. He does say the full skin... Walker. ...by himself in full a bunch of times because he's a giant Viking who's not scared. But the 70... He's not even scared of hurricanes. That will make sense (laughs) later, too. But the 72nd time, he did say... The SWs, like the whole, the yeah, sem- he was making me flinch. He, I was like kind of twitching. No, he said he said he said that just the acronym once. Like, oh, I oh, won't did he say really? it. I won't say it once. I'm going to say it 72 other times. But one time, I'm going to say the SWs. Oh, oh thanks, funny. thanks for keeping us safe. See, I didn't catch the phone. abbreviation. I just oh, you heard will. Him saying now it. Now, when you're time. listening, oh, that's you funny. Will. All right, I'll pick that up. All right, we'll see everybody in a little bit with the wrap up and another story and uh, scouting report for you. Hey everyone, so I'm here with Alex Bone, otherwise known as Alex Bone, from the northern, southern Arizona region. Yep. And he came here, and I guess you fought people to like get a ranch at some point, or maybe you peed in the corner of a bar. I don't remember the whole story, but you're a pioneer of sorts. I have... Uh been responsible for doing such. Oh, stop! Responsible, acts. irresponsible. Just stop. Uh, or said, irresponsible. <laughs> acts you said you'd as, be honest. As uh, starting up uh, much of the Tucson, uh, helping with the Tucson punk scene, and jump starting the Flagstaff punk scene. And I do have a degree in anthropology. You know, the Flagstaff punk scene did die eventually. Like you tried to jump start it, but I don't know if it. Worked. Well, they shouldn't have pissed me off. Yeah. Then he went back to Tucson in anger. So, Twice. Yeah. That's, I don't know. They should just shut the shuttle, and then wherever you end up, you'll just be there, I guess. Well said, because <laughs> I've noticed that wherever I am, here I am. There you go. But we are going to... No matter where you are, there, there you go. There you go. We do want to like say something, and this... You got to look at me, Bone, now. We need you to do, uh, we're trying to do like a podcast where we're going to only tell what we know. So we're going to do the, do you swear to hell the, hell, (laughs) swear to hell. I swear swear to hell every day. (laughs) You swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me Godzilla. You got to raise your right hand. Do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? So help me Godzilla. He, he's not noticing that I'm raising my left hand. Don't tell him. It's the same hand. Oh, yeah. It should be inverted. Am I wrong or is he wrong? No, that was his left hand. Damn it. Ha. I've tricked him again. <laughs> I just, all right, trick. And he's also a trickster archetype, by the way, this guy. So we are trying to get. I have eight archetypes, but we'll talk you about were that telling, later. You are going to be telling some secondhand accounts and some firsthand accounts. And we're just asking you to tell it to the best of your recollection, not to the best of your telling the bar story to us later after it happened. We want you to do the best of what actually happened that night. Now, sure, no problem. Third-hand story, a second-hand story, and a personal story, and I think I should tell them in those order. That sounds right. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Now, this first story was told to a person that I worked with and uh, also played Dungeons and Dragons with, so you know it's honest. His name is Kyle. We'll call him. 
He uh, grew up in northern Arizona and had friends that grew up on the Navajo Nation. And one of his buddies was a, a Diné youth who grew up in Flagstaff, grew up in the, you know, in the giant metropolis of Flagstaff. But, you know, he would go out to see his uncle and his grandfather at, uh, in, in the Navajo Nation. So on one of these occasions, this, this lad was about 18, senior year in high school, goes out to see grandpa in the summer and, you know, help grandpa out around the farm. His grandfather uh, owned several head of cattle which is somewhat unusual for the Navajo Nation, which tends to herd Goat. sheep more often than cattle. Yeah. But this particular gentleman was a cattle guy. Mm-hmm. So his son, go, um, sorry, his grandson goes out there and in the middle of the night, he's hearing some things like, uh, out the window. He's asleep, he's woken up and he's hearing the cows I don't really know what a cow scream sounds like. Probably like, something like that. And he's hearing this. He comes out and sees that his grandfather's not in his bedroom. His grandfather's not in his living room. And with the screams are continuing. And he's thinking like, well, there's some screams outside. My grandfather's not here. We're here alone in the middle of, of you know, the mesas on the Navajo Nation. He goes out to the front porch and he, and look, hoping to find his grandfather. He finds his grandfather outside the door holding a shotgun and they share a scared look. And right then he hears the desert being disturbed. Something's coming through the desert, knocking over cactus and rolling rocks, coming at them with some high level of celerity. His grandfather says, go inside and lock the door. But it comes so fast and so loud. This grandfather, what maybe was going to try to see what this thing was, loses his nerve, falls his grandson in, locks the door. Whatever was moving slams into the house, moves up the outer wall of the house, rolls over the roof of the house, comes down the other side of the house, and then continues on into the night in the other direction they originally heard it. They sit there in terror, unable to sleep throughout the entire night, just clutching the shotgun and just shivering in the living room. When the sun finally comes up in the morning, after some trepidation, I guess, they they go outside and they see a path of ravaged earth five feet wide full of blood the blood goes down to the house up the wall over the roof down the other wall and then continues into the desert they somehow find the courage to follow this path of blood and they found the remnants of a cow like something that just you know how you'd you know run a chalk over a chalkboard this just tore up this cow's body as it traversed over the house and that's the third hand account because this is yeah kyle's friend kyle's friend i have so many questions but you swore to godzilla that that was the whole truth 
He did. Godzilla? Oh, man. That's some serious. Do you have to swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me Godzilla. And he did. But he used his wrong hand. Oh. I have dyslexia. I'm allowed to do what I want. Yeah. He he lives in the mirror universe anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually the right hand. He's really Spock without the beard in, in the other universe. All right. So that is my third hand story. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, a wee lad of 24, I had just got my anthropology degree from the University of Arizona in Tucson, and I moved up to Flagstaff, but those were hard times for the bone man back then. Had trouble getting work. Ended up um, finding a job guarding the lumber plant as a security guard, which meant cold walks patrolling in long, dark nights. It, I thought it was bad as a 24-year-old. There was a, a woman who, who uh, was hired after I was. Her name was Carol, and she was about 35 years old. Blue eyes, blonde hair, definitely did not look very Navajo-ish. That will come into play later. So I'm working. It was a dark, stormy night. And we were telling stories And she told me this. Apparently, back in the 60s, when she was a little girl, about 10 years old, her parents were teachers on the Navajo Nation. So she lived out there, and her parents took very good care of her, kept an eye on her, knew that the desert can be a spooky, dangerous place for a little girl on her own. But one day, her parents were busy. They were visiting somebody out in a more remote place and they were talking and you know how little kids tend to do she walks outside to entertain herself and her parents were distracted enough to let her she wanders away from this house out into the mazes and the the savannas of the Navajo Nation and again there's two theories on what skinwalkers can be there's sort of the high-level theory, and there's the low-level theory. Skinwalkers are real. If anybody says that they're not real, they're full of shit. There are skinwalkers. It's just the question of how much of their magic is legitimate. Either they are shape-shifting creatures with powerful magic, or they're sort of like Native American ninjas that just hate, that hate not white people as much as Navajos that accept the ways of the white people. From I've talked to many Dene about this, and th- their number one hatred is Dene that sort of pass over the parts of their culture and accept the more mainstream American culture. So that's your choice. Are these supernatural witches or are these Native American ninjas? Let's back up. Let's get back to Carol. So Carol is walking away, and she's looking at some, you know, checking out some lizards, looks back, and there is a naked man covered from head to toe in blood with a wolf's head on his own. He stares at her, and she can't move. His eyes begin to glow yellow. And he doesn't say a word, he doesn't move. He just stares at her with these glowing yellow eyes. And she, she, 
she said that she thought that he was going to kill her with those eyes. And she couldn't look away. She was paralyzed. She's, she can't break away. Then the entire sky becomes yellow. The same color as his eyes. And she knew she was going to die. But somehow, she had the strength to look away for a moment. She looked back one second later. And he was a mile away on the mesa running away. He had moved like a quarter of a mile in one second. Oh, interesting. There's another point where things are closer and farther away, and we see that with the Iraq, and we see that with other things. That sudden, inexplicable movement is so common in those stories. That that comes up in some... Yeah, there's Arctic ones that you think they're further away, and they're actually closer. When you think they're closer, they're farther, and those themes come up. You, she said this to you, and you told me, you haven't told me this story. You said, I have a story for you. She told you this story firsthand. Yeah, it happened to her in like 1968 or something. In 1968. Yeah, it was late, later in the 60s. I'm, I, I'm actually, I've got a bonus story that I that I recently remembered. Uh, I well, we, we're not done with this one. Oh, well, go ahead, sure. Um, Do you know what area of the res she was on when it happened? I, uh, it, it was, uh, I think she, she was between Kienta and Chinle, like out in the boonies, like sort, sort of really central, like north of the Hopi Nation area. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely a common area for weird stories. It's getting close to the Four Corners area. The more eastern part of the res I find is is where more of the creepy stories come from. Window Rock. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Strangely, the bonus story actually takes place in Window Rock if you want to hear it. Okay, well, is there any other question? Because this is, it's kind of an amazing story. Uh, It's my favorite one. It was the first one I heard. Remember, I was told this I might have even been 23 when I when I heard this. I was I was young. I had just moved. Impressionable. I never knew what a, a skinwalker was, and a Navajo I worked with talked about it. And I was quizzing people about, but as you well know, it's taboo to talk about skinwalkers. Yeah. The fact that I worked with a guy who was was. Just saying, I hate skinwalkers. He, and he told me that I had just driven back to the reservation with my girl, girlfriend to visit her family. And she was driving. A skinwalker jumped out in front of the car. And she screamed and avoided it. And he told me, I'm really angry at my girlfriend because she should have run it over. You kill all skinwalkers. That's how I was originally exposed to skinwalkers. Was this big Navajo guy I worked with as a security guard telling me that story. I started asking everybody. She just busted out with a story out of, out of nowhere in the middle of the night in the woods when we were security guards. That's the perfect time to hear that story for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear my window rock story? Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, do it. We, I, I set the tone with the window rock as we get closer right. to that corner. So I, I ha- when I was living up in Flagstaff in 1991, I ended up, you know, making friends with these people. They're in some bands. Started to finally get get my, my feet underneath me and, and making some good friends. And I was hanging out, you know, as you do when you're in your early 20s. And there was this 
gal I knew had the coolest name, Sherry. Oh, I shouldn't say her last I name. I knew. Uh, Sherry Stein. Sherry. Her last name's way cooler, though. Um, That's but, a long last name. Way cooler now? Terry? No. Um, and she was a Navajo gal. So I'm hanging out with my buddy uh, at my buddy Chris's house. And this gal, uh, Sherry, who was Danae, and I was friends with her because all the punk rock chicks kind of dig Alex Bone a little bit, you know. And This is a very old story. I was 23, remember? <laughs> um, I might have been 24 for this one. So, and but this was, as I mentioned before, that part of my life where I was like just learning about skinwalkers. So I'm like asking people, and they're like, here is this guy, this very attractive young woman who happens to be Danae. Perhaps I should ask her about skinwalkers because she's cool, punk rock, hipper, you know, cool chick. And so I say, hey, Sherry, what do you know about skinwalkers? And we were talking. We were talking for like two minutes. I ask her this, and she goes to Chris's albums and and ignores what I say and says, oh, I love this Bad Brains album. Let's ask Chris if he'll play this next and walked away from me. I was like, hmm, suspicious. Uh <laughs> I think you're the one being suspicious in that case. Perhaps yeah. a little bit. Later on, I might, I might be I might be getting a little Bill Cosby here, digressing a little. But Sherry and I. Whoa! What or, happened at this party? Uh, uh, Sherry and I at a different party is later. It, is Sherry safe right now? She's okay. Okay. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, we were at, we were <laughs> we were at this other party that was being mm. being broken up by. Uh, Flags PD. They're it's like a college party, and they're kicking everybody out. We're both drinking a beverage. We walk to the front. There's a garbage can there. The cops all over the place. I throw my beer into the garbage can. Walk out in the street. She just walks after me, yapping. Gets arrested, and she says, "My sister lives, you know, on on Beaver Street. Oh no, San Francisco. But lives on San Francisco. Here's her address." Blah, 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 blah. We bail her out. While I'm working with her sister to get the money together, she tells me a story that happened to Sherry in Window Rock. That they were downtown Window Rock, and this man walked in again, covered from head to toe with blood, naked, save for the wolf head, on his head, walks in. Sherry and her sister are little kids. They're right there. There's like 20 people sees this skinwalker just walk right down the center road of Window Rock and becomes a coyote right in front of everybody's eyes and walks through town as a coyote and everybody's screaming and fainting and having a bad day. What town was this again? That's a, uh, downtown Window Rock. Which, for those who aren't familiar, is the capital of Navajo Nation. Yes. So that's like a big deal if it, no, Window Rock's the actual capital. Yeah, it's capital on the rest. Uh, I know you folks have done a lot of research on this, as have I. Um, Has anybody spoke to either of you about what is Skinwalker territory and what is not? 
Has this been gone over with you? Ooh. I, I know they do tend to be territorial. Like, you'll see the same one in the same area all the time kind of thing. Well, if I've done as much research as I can by talking to Danae that are willing to talk about it, which is about one in ten, maybe. Uh, if that much, I mean, I'm probably taught, I, I, I probably have skewed numbers because I'm talking to people in Flagstaff, not on the, if you went up to the, the nation, it'd probably less. be one in 200 or yeah, a thousand yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, so, but I've heard this from more than one person. If we're talking about, I mean, there's, there's things in the news and flamboyant, whatever. These are shamans of the Navajo people. Right, they are only allowed within the four sacred peaks, or they only supposedly have power the four sacred peaks of the Navajo. Yeah, we map. Jeremy mapped that to some degree. There's there's, there's actually, actually seven, six peaks. Seven. Six peaks. There's four corners and two in the middle. Okay, I'm not sure about your measurements, uh, and I and, and they're really not in corners. They're just. It's well, spread over people an People talk about the four yeah. sacred peaks because they define the territory. Right. What yeah. they never really tell you but is a thing is that there's two other what are considered sacred peaks in the middle of that territory. That's, right. That's the only difference. The, the four, when you hear the four, it's the four corners that define right. the territory. Right. So one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that the geography of this cuts Flagstaff in half. Roughly, mm-hmm. so in theory, if you're in w- sort of southwestern diagonal mm-hmm. of, of Flagstaff, you are not within the, the sacred Navajo lands. Mm-hmm. If you are on in the eastern North Flagstaff, eastern. yeah, you Dorney Park are in Dorney. the sacred lands. So in theory, if you live in eastern Flagstaff, these guys could mess with you. They don't come to Flagstaff. I mean, it's really on the edge. They don't come to Flagstaff much. That's why we don't go to Sunnyside as much as Flagstaff. <laughs> I've had some incidents by the hospital in downtown, which is not really east. but And there are some do, do, do tor- stories near FMC. Line? I mean, it's close enough anyway, right? I mean, you know, I don't think that there there's some hierarchy where they're going to get five other W two Forbes or something, <laughs> if, they, if they cross over the line a little bit. I have one story, and this contract walkers. This might be a little bit iffy, but since it's my story and it's first hand, I'm going to tell it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I I have to just talk about this. What this piece of it though? What so. What do you know about this in and out and period that they're not allowed outside or inside? It's a it's a the lines of the sacred peaks. You know any other piece of this? Because this is well, I I have I've done a lot of research and I'm not okay. You know, from again, keep in mind that a lot of this information, a lot of cultural information gets watered down. Like if you talk. I was talking to people in 1991. That's 32 years ago. So a lot of this information is lost or more hidden or watered down or the kids don't know as much as those kids did about traditional things. So what happened in in, in 
32 years ago, you might get a little bit more precise data than, you know, following somebody on Facebook today. You know, you're, you're going to get a little bit more closer to the grit. So that being said, my understanding from the people I talked to in the early 90s is that the, the, the uh, SWs want to hurt white people, but not as much as really Na- Navajos Diné that are following American culture. They want to sort of cordon off the official lands of the Navajo and hold those to like a more tight cultural re- regime and follow their their ways. So that's enough land. They don't need to like, you know, hey, I'm going to try to control the this 500 square miles. That's a lot. Like, you know, the size of freaking New Hampshire or something. You know, why that's enough. They might, if they had a reason to go to flag, like Western flag, they would, maybe. But I mean, that my understanding is most of this of that stuff is taking place on the nation, not in Flagstaff. But you know, Flagstaff gets a little rough and tumble. It does tie into like the whole um, monster theory of the inside, outside, the interior, exterior, and the boundaries. We'll talk about that during the theory part, but it t- totally ties in with. Having them walk the perimeter of an area is right. exactly what a monster a predator. They're in the in essence, they're predators, and that's what predators do, right? They nope, stalk they're the guardians perim- the perimeter <laughs> of their territory and, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, that well, and guardians. They're too, predators yeah, for the metaphysical sense. They're predators for the outside, but they're protectors for the inside. Right, right. Guarding the gates. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Interesting, dude. Well done. Now let, we're going to actually get to hear his first-hand account. Okay. Do we have any more questions? Well, wait, but I, I, I'm, we any more questions? I'm good. Now you, the one you were in, I imagine you're going to get more specific with everything. So right now, I've already mentioned that back in 1991, I was a security guard. My shift got over at midnight, and at the time. Uh, I, I started to m- make friends with this one guy. I was a security, but this other guy worked at the lumber yard. And he was kind of, well, broke like me. So, I, or maybe he got a DUI or something. But for some reason, he's like, hey, I got to get home on my bike now. So I was riding my mountain bike home at five miles from Stone Forest over to Cortland Boulevard every night. So I'm leaving Flagstaff, kind of go back then in 90, 91. This is like the edge of town right near walnut canyon and i'm riding with this other guy so i mean there there is another individual involved and by the way walnut canyon is exactly you know east and in in the area of the diagonal that would be the spookier location indeed and it was strange because i didn't ride home i mean i i rode my bike home from this place like 500 times by myself one time I have a buddy riding with me. We're riding, we go, we're uh, heading back towards Cortland Boulevard. And again, it was a little more rural back then. So this is like, you know, midnight, 1230. We're riding home. It's winter. It's cold. On our mountain bikes, there's no cars around. And there's an, an old barn that hasn't been torn down. And we're riding up towards this barn. 
And as we approach it, we both hear, this really horrible screaming. And it, we both stop on our bikes. And it was, I mean, it, it froze us in our tracks. And then we're looking at this dark barn and we're trying to figure out what we should do. And we're talking and, and I've been work with some, been a long day. I worked a 12 hour shift and I'm just saying, well, that's creepy, but I'm not going to stay out here. It's, it's 20 degrees. How long are we going to stay out here? And I just say to him and I'm like, Hey, we let's go for it. We got to, we had to ride our bikes right by this barn, like maybe 20 feet next to it. But goats and, or other animals giving birth can make some terrible sounds. But there's no goats out there. Okay. I mean, I mean, unless like some goat wandered from somewhere doing something, but it, it, it was a, a horrible scream enough that we had to milk up our courage to ride our bikes as fast as possible by this barn. He kept riding. I'm a little more curious. Once I got by and I felt fairly safe, I was on the right side of the barn. I looked back, and I started, and I heard this dunk, dunk, bum, 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 barn door, bum, bum. The barn door is banging open and shut. There's no wind. It's just banging open and shut. And I saw a silhouette of a person standing there while this barn door was. Opening, slamming shut. Where, opening, where is the shut. person in the silhouette compared to the barn door opening and closing? Just right, standing right there. Like where it's happening. Yeah. Were they moving to move the door, or were they just standing no, just there? Standing. Just standing. Anything about glistening eyes? Was there anything else? No. It, I mean, I'm not even sure this is Skinwalker. I mean, you almost might. I mean, it kind of gave the vibe more of a ghost or something like that. I mean, I'm not sure it's Skinwalker, so. That that does sound more like a ghostly, uh, you know. Banshee. Poltergeisty. Yeah. yeah. Sort of happening there rather than a, a, a an actual skin. Walker. Right. I mean, it certainly, I'd not say that that's automatically it. But it was sort of a creepy thing. It was on the right side of town. It was in the dark. Messing with two guys. Ghosts don't scream. That, well, also, I mean, in some ways, you don't hear too many. I mean, the Banshee does. But normally, they, you know, knock stuff around. And uh, in some ways, having that shriek like that. Maybe even more of a demonic thing. That, yeah. Those symptoms, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean... It's one of those things like you look back and you wonder like how could this have really happened to me? You know, it seems like a bullshit story like this like oh that didn't happen. Like that's too crazy. But it happened. Yeah, I have a few stories that you could put into that category. <laughs> I know what I saw. That didn't Linda happen, Godfrey. but I just saw it happen, so I guess it happened. No. I got I got one more quick bonus story just real fast. I'm in Walnut Canyon. I'm camping out. I, I was living in Walnut Canyon. Why did you go so many times on a bike from Walnut Canyon back to Flagstaff? Because it's about five 
or six miles. From my place in Walnut Canyon to go have a beer in downtown Flag is more like 15 miles. Damn. Yeah. I mean, the bummer was if you like got up and went there too early, you get there downtown and like, well, it's 10 a.m. I got a long time to wait to do something. But I'm in Walnut Canyon, and I'm not... I'm staying there all day. I used to, you know, I would stay there some days. And I'm writing. I'm doing my thing. And I'm working on Wilderness Punk. And I look up from my laptop. And I see. And see, this is where maybe my thoughts differ from some of the things you guys are saying. Because I always associate skinwalkers with yellow. Because that's what I heard. I'm on my laptop. I look up and I see, and I'm not talking about tan. I'm talking about yellow. A bright yellow coyote on three legs. And this coyote's walking in front of me, limping on three legs. And it's not that far from me. So, maybe... 40, 50 feet in front of me, I see a bright yellow, like a crayon yellow, coyote on three legs. I put my laptop on the stump I was using that had my cell phone on it, wanting to take a picture of this thing. I put my laptop, grab my cell phone, stand up, and this three-legged coyote is nowhere to be seen. So now the bonus story. The bonus story. We have to find out what year this was because you have a cell phone and a laptop. Uh, oh, this story took place in. Uh, it was 2016. So I knew you didn't tell me this story, and I, I, we were friends at that point. Well, I was a homeless. <laughs> Yeah, I've never heard that one either. We were hanging out a lot at that point. Yeah, at he, that he point, he didn't want to talk about that yeah. one when it happened. That, I've never that heard the story. You pretty well. You're the only person that has been at the place that I speak of. You're the only person that visited me in my homeless shack. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, I let you down, it was dude. Actually a pretty decent little spot, man. Nice, nice little setup and the tree grove there. Yeah, very camouflaged. Yeah. Well, he had to, you know, he has to hide from a lot of things, monsters and women and women monsters, you know. Yeah. I had one more thing happen to me. In band sure, camp. Sure. Uh, at this spot. And I'll just bring it up because you guys are recording this. And <laughs> so I went out there once when things w- were going bad. And then, you know, some other things happened. But then I kind of was like, I'm moving out here part time. And so I'm really going to like, I'm going to live here a lot. And I I go out there and it's my first day back out there. I had a little gear stored there, but now I'm getting ready to move in. And the sun is setting and I'm looking towards the west. And then suddenly I just feel this pressure in my chest and this gray like fog starts forming or outside of this juniper and I just got this feeling of like angst and terror and and just like something what the hell is happening right now and I stand up 
and I look over and maybe a 20 by 20 cloud of just obscurement is happening and out of this I see a torso in one arm like almost like like a slam dancer uh, but only just the body and an arm starting to form and I'm feeling this dread like something's because you're not allowed to camp where I'm camping. It's illegal to camp here. So if there, if, if you were to postulate there's a spirit, this doesn't have to deal. The spirit doesn't have to deal with a lot of people camping here because it's illegal and you, you'll get in trouble if you camp there. <laughs> so this thing starts, and I felt like this really this powerful like force in my chest, like like a hand was like constricting my lungs, and like this this strange like supernatural dread is is flowing over me like I'm being judged and then as soon as it happened it just utterly disappeared and I had this feeling of relief and acceptance like you are worthy to camp here Mr. Bone. That See that I kind of heard you tell me that story. I just have a quick question though because we were already talking about paranormal stuff long before the other yellow coyote story and I'm just curious. I know you had a lot going on in your world. Yeah. But we've we've experienced a couple of things together that we'll discuss on on yeah, things. I mean, just little things. Let's not blow by that last one he just told me. And that's pretty profound. That, no, I know this is the that's same. That's very much a Ishta Diva Ishta Rasha portal sort of moment. It's all he passed. He passed the portal, and you were you were accepted into the area by the guardian. I felt like I passed a test, sort of. He's like, oh yeah, you're okay. I'm not worried about you. Exactly. And that's exactly the sort. Yeah, you did. That's that's what just happened there. You you were faced by the portal demon, and you proved worthy or whatever it might be. And, and the yellow coyote was a similar thing through the portal instead that of negatively. Okay. Right. So the yellow coyote was, was checking you out as well. Later. So there's. I think we have to go to Walnut Canyon after hours. I can get us there still. I know exactly where it is still. And I think we, we need to... Should we go do some illegal camping with some I with, with a GoPro? we need to do that. Brings, you know, I, 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 I'm down. So. Yeah, I'm down. It's a cool little spot. I just, I'm just curious. upon us. I'm curious why he didn't tell the Yellow Coyote story to me, though. Cause uh, I, I probably did. He just... Doesn't have a okay. He's okay. Old. That's true. You never told it to me either, and I, I would, I would remember that. You never told me that. Yeah. That's okay though. It takes a long mm. time for for you to want to tell stories like that. Sometimes my favorite story from that, that time, of Bone living in the woods, for a little bit, I w there was a hurricane coming up from Mexico, and everybody was freaking out, and I went out there and found Bone. And I was like, dude, you should come home with me for a day or two. There's a hurricane coming. He's like, oh, there's a hurricane coming? Cool. I'll all be fine. <laughs> <laughs> he just stayed in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True story. I like rain. Yeah. No, these, these you know, I know you had, to, you had to deal with the elements. You dealt with them well. I think there's more to explore. We found a lead. And in this one, I think we should follow up because two times you were tested in an area. But we're not going to live there. They may say, oh, these guys are just showing may up. They have a different reaction. A different reaction. I also, I mean, depending on what supernatural, I don't know, what whatever different paradigm of the possibilities of these type of things existing, as you kind of hinted at, I was going through like a really fucked up time. So my emotions were raw. And I, you know, it's kind of, 
hard to just be like, well, I guess I'm just going to ride my bike 10 miles from from the town and live in the woods tonight. Like, that is, like, exposing yourself, your emotions, your reality. Like, kind of tearing away some of those layers which might have made experience some of these things easier, depending on what your theory is on, on the subject. No, that's, I think mindset has a lot to do with it. Yeah. yeah, you can. There's times when you're definitely more open to, you know, witnessing the portal and having to go through that test. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I agree. Like, we might go there, and it may be a, a dud just because you were, you were moving into their territory as this, you know, as the coyote was thrown out of the pack, and it really was Jeremy and I were sent him out. I was like, we're done with you. You know, it was it was a poker game. He took a lot of our money. We're like, dude, go live in the woods. Maybe Bone's <laughs> spirit animal is a three-legged coyote. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, a yellow. I partied in those woods uh, earlier in like '92 with uh, like me and this guy Stevel and these two chicks. We went out there, and like, nothing happened to us when we were partying out there. I mean, you know, I think you know, you have to kind of. But if we bring a frying pan, if we bring like some like uh, things that like like we're gonna be moving in there, like let's just let's, a little sack of things that uh, explain that we're, we're homesteaders. Maybe it's the level of danger and commitment that uh, you know I'm camping in a forbidden place. I I also agree. Like in general, the, the in general the threshold theory is going to be very personal. It's going to happen at a specific time in a specific circumstance. It also makes me wonder if, uh, you know, cordoned off, no camping, national park sort of areas are chosen for more reasons than we realize sometimes. Wow, that's interesting. David Politis probably could. Well, uh, <laughs> with, with Walnut Canyon, that that's not even conjecture i mean it's one thing like oh hey uh you know granite reef is really pretty rocks here let's have a national monument walnut canyon has an is a national monument for one reason because of the ruins right. so it's a different situation yeah it was a, little... a lot of places yeah right right that was what was weird like, here I am, I'm freaking out, I'm homeless, I guess I'm living in the woods for a while, and, I, like, all this emotion is just roaring through me, and, like, am I a loser, am I a piece of shit, or is this awesome, I can't tell, and in the middle of that, this thing came and accepted me, and I'm like, well, I guess I can camp here for a while. I mean, that was the first night. Wow, I didn't realize that was the first night. That That's crazy. So it... It really checked you out as soon as you got there. Yes, within hours. Like yeah, because four and hours. Because they're like, there's a giant moving in. <laughs> and then how how long later was the the three legged yellow coyote? And uh, I'm probably about a month, about a month later. I think that like this was a guardian. Like you know, if you want to go there, this is a guardian. Like as soon as this guy shows up, I'm dealing with this. And I think the the three legged coyote is more of a random occurrence like maybe some skinwalker got shot with some angry guy with a shotgun I don't know but the but the yellow crayon color this didn't look natural at all no I've never I've probably seen a hundred coyotes in my life I've never seen a bright yellow crayon coyote right. I mean that's why like if I saw a coyote out there I might try to take a picture of it. 
Like, I probably would if my camera's right there. Like, oh, cool, I saw a coyote. It's not that cool. They're everywhere. But, but I mean, it's not, yeah. yeah like, I, I wouldn't have been, like, a bright yellow three-legged coyote. Yeah. I was like, oh, I got to take a picture of this. Yeah. But then it was gone. Yeah, it was gone. I mean, I you know, I stopped for probably, you know, seven nanoseconds to pick up my phone, which kind of made me think of the Carol story where she looks looking in those yellow eyes, the sky turns yellow, she looks away for a half a second, looks back it's and gone. it's on the mesa. Mile away, yeah. Kinda of reminded me of that. Yeah, and that that's probably the most common trope is the sudden movement like that, being able to catch run next to the car and get mm-hmm. a mile down the road in the blink of an eye and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that that totally fits the paradigm, no doubt. Yep. The shapeshifter paradigm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Again, you know, I am I am not a Danae. I'm just a boisterous anthropology guy, and that's what I. That, I mean, I've heard a few tidbits here and there, uh, like Navajos going out to party and drink in the desert and seeing uh, a group of skinwalkers around the fire and. This one guy I worked with was like, whoa, like he couldn't believe they really existed. And he kind of wanted to look, which is very non-normal Danae. Mm-hmm. But he was sort of like a Flagstaff guy. And everybody else is like screaming and crying. Like Don't women, do like that, the girls man. are breaking down and like having panic attacks. And everybody's like, ah, like screaming. He's like, no, this is cool. I want to look. And, and they're, they're just wrong way. I mean, there's a lot of stories out there. And, you know, these are the ones I've heard. All right, and there we go. That is our interview with Alex Bone, recorded down in Tucson, Arizona. Some pretty intense storytelling there and some very intense stories to go with it, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, we keep finding more and more things. Yeah. That, they all overlap. They all yeah. have the same tropes. But, but uh, what we should get into first, though, considering our lead into the interview, is that we are back from our scouting mission at Walnut Canyon. Right. We found the exact spot that uh, Alex Bone was talking about. The exact, exact spot. log. The exact spot. Where he put his, you know, he grabbed for his camera and couldn't take the picture. The story of the, when he comes across the three-legged coyote that's kind of crayon yellow, and the and there's also something coming out forming, like almost a guardian mist thing. That comes out. Yeah, the head and the arm. He, I remember specifically. He said, and that the, those are the that was the area he camped at for months, and we found we set up before right before sunset. You got there perfect timing, yeah. and we kind of just hung out. And it's just a scouting mission, so we didn't have a lot. I did set up my hammock to at least uh, imply the that sense we were of staying. camping. Yeah, we tried to pee in the corners. We, we even uh, should we? I don't know. I feel I, d- I did pee too. We also whistled. Which I whistled I don't think, a lot. I don't think we should have, but we did. Too antagonistic, maybe. You know, I, yeah, we. I from a, I don't know. We did though. And I don't know. That was it. Yeah, wasn't as yeah. a, I whistled the entire opening to "Patience" by Guns N' Roses. And when we walked out, perfectly, I may say. I I think I I think my Jethro Tull Cross Eyed Mary was done, just you know, and I did it in a harder and way, the, fashion. The, the, instead of the pan hands. flute, it was the hand. The hand, flute. yeah. Well, we don't talk about that. 
<laughs> we did say we marked our territory. We did whistle oh, a little no. bit. Yeah. And we, you know, we didn't see anything. No, I think we might have been too disruptive. We had three people and a dog and yeah. we we were not calm like Bone would have been quiet and actually We tried in, to so meditate. The spirit of the moment was so entirely different. And I do think that in the future we obviously can find the place again. Yeah. I think we should go back and do Really, that was just to see if I could find this it This was a scouting honestly. mission. I hadn't been there in nine yep. years since a random We've, spot in the yep. woods. Found it. So yep. it was actually a, a win. You know, yep. It was a proof of concept mission, right. basically. Uh, so now the concept exists. We, we Next time we'll prepare, we'll go out now that we know we know where we're going. And uh, we'll spend some, some more time there. Just, you know, some just quality the two, time. The two of us go out there. We be calm in the woods. We actually maybe set up a tent just to make it look like it. If that doesn't work, we may end up do, doing a night or two of illegal camping even, but it wouldn't be my first time. There we go. We'll see what happens. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's how dedicated we are to our listeners. Right. So we're willing to put ourselves on the line to yep. go out there and see if we can get anything new for you. Yeah, and we're going we're gonna to finish this one with uh, a little story from Jeremy, one of his two. And if we can get this last interview, of Jeremy's going to, talk with Maz is excited because we were actually talking with my buddy Logan today who's gonna do it he's hard to lock down he's very busy he's all over the place all the time kind of thing but yeah he is he has told me he will do it which means at some point it will happen it's just not happening yet yeah he's ADHD squared I think he's just he's he's uh living in the new America man he yeah he has as many jobs as he can think to have and doing his thing but just hearing these guys just talk a little bit about it, everything would bone, everything follows the same, like you said, the same tropes. Yeah, we, we I, don't give anything away now, but Logan and I did discuss a little bit because he knows it like you heard the conversation, Moz. He, he remembers it so much better than me. I did kind of block that one out. And my go-to is this one I'm about to tell. Right. So that one is so like, and it happened so long ago, it's, it's not at all fresh for me. Like I remember the main... Events. happenings yeah. but i forget all the details to fill it in to make it a real story yeah and i will say this he, about he it. knows it like he knows I, yeah, it. that's what i want to say is jeremy said from the beginning i need to talk to logan just to refresh my memory about this event logan said here just an hour ago i remember every minute every second of that night i'll yeah. never forget it kind of thing like it was yeah. just something ingrained in his memory and every little thing that he said triggered jeremy to go oh, you know like yeah right. So it, oh, I'm there was excited. one thing he said where I was like, Holy "Yeah, shit, yeah. dude, I forgot about that." <laughs> like it really like gave me the tingles all over. I again. had tingles listening to just you guys. This story will be as good as and and so was Alex Bones. <laughs> I don't want to get away Bones from that. Bones interview came out so Bones, much better than I was expecting. And his I, stories, I didn't his I didn't, stories can be in any book. And and the conversation you guys just had that this I only heard a little bit. And what I heard is that this could be in any book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a... It's like a Linda cr- Godfrey book up in here with our stories. It follows getting... the tropes. Why, if it's not happening, does it follow the same themes, the same patterns, time and time again? Yeah. And what, for me, it just brings it into, not just that I read about this stuff for years, people I know are now saying, oh, yeah, and, and, and this, and oh, yeah, that does happen, and this is why, and... Here's my story, which just happens to fit into every hits all the dingers, right? Every yeah, little checkbox. Yeah. I, I don't get it. We it's, we need to make up a bingo card. Yeah, check, 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 check. Yeah. Bingo for each story. So you get the bingo first with the bingo cards we make up. Yeah, 
or or skin thingy. You just will play or you know, instead yeah. of hangman, we'll play skin. You can play shapeshifter bingo. Yeah, no, let's not <laughs> let's not do that. But what little you guys said blew my mind already. I can't wait if we don't get you know. And I, I, I Alex Bones. Blew it's my coming. Mind. Well, I'm determined. I can't promise how soon it'll come. I'm determined to get it into season one, which is basically year one for us. Yeah. Which in hopefully soon, hopefully time. sooner than later. I'm hoping it's much sooner than the end of year one, but sometime in this season, we're definitely going to. We are that. almost Doctor Who because we're like Time Lords, like but in reverse. We're, oh, it's so not. all over the place. We can't even remember. Like, <laughs> we did we record this? I yet? don't know. Did is we record there? the next? Was episode? that guy? No, we did. Why did you invite me again? We already did this. Damn. <laughs> I know. After all that year and a half of production, we're like, all right, we know what we're doing, and we start really doing it. And we're like, oh wait, do we know what we're doing? No, we don't. <laughs> Bottom lines, we don't know what we're doing. Just go with that as your baseline. Hey, we're at episode five. It at least exists. Yeah. So, yeah. We, we wanted go. to get a few in the can before we started, and that's really why we're so confused. Right. When we, we fall behind, which will happen almost immediately, it'll go back to scramble mode, and we'll know. And I do want to I do want to note again that we do kind of try to stay at least a month and a half to two months ahead on the recording. If you're in the members area, you'll get the stuff as soon as it's edited up and available. If you are just getting it off the standard podcast platform, you're going to have to wait for an episode to come out every week. So if you want to stay really current with us, stay on the tour, up to date on every stop, you got to join that member's area as little as $5 a month gets you in. We're going to give as many perks as we can. Haven't really figured everything out yet as far as that goes, really. But 5 bucks a month gets you in, and you'll be able to listen to everything we have as soon as we have it recorded and edited. So let's shift over to your story. Oh, yeah. I think I was trying to avoid that. Okay. So we do have what he always says is his... I'm going to adjust here a little bit. The story he really enjoys. And this one I've well, heard this part is, of. It gives me the... The, the, the willies. Yeah, like gives me the willies every time I tell it still. And it's so old and I've told it so many times. But it's like when people ask me... I. I taxi driver slash uber driver for a long time and that comes since the in, show taxi well no i'm not <laughs> i'm not as old as you Moss. uh Dang, i tried no since if you want a real number on it since 2010 i've been driving people around northern arizona mm-hmm. for a living uh i do have my my math tells me that i'm definitely over 55,000 career rides to put wow. it in perspective. So I've been doing it a long time. And pe- there's an inherent question with people a lot of the time. What's your craziest story? Mm-hmm. This is the craziest thing maybe that's ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. I have some other crazy things, but this is like there was someone else there. It's kind of verified. I got follow-up now. Mm-hmm. So it's really it's it's my favorite story to tell because it's the easiest to tell. It, it comes, you know, it's the easiest to relate. Mm-hmm other connections and stuff so and it and it is while i was driving a taxi and that's what people want to hear from a taxi driver right all right and the what, other one what happened in the taxi the other one was psilocybin and logan and both of those can be a little bit of psilocybin <laughs> was involved yes <laughs> not not a crazy amount by any means but but logan was there and those are two conflating uh variables right there right Lo- logan can actually make a situation crazier than psilocybin yes. can i think <laughs> so this is the one that's kind of grounded more in, in terra firma if you will right and, and this job. is my own and personal story yep. this happened to me so uh 
I'm going to give it to the world now. I've told it to strangers in my car plenty of times, so why not tell it to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so I guess I'll start. As I was talking about it, I was driving a taxi out of Flagstaff, Arizona. And for those who have never been out this way, who, who are unfamiliar, northern Arizona is a very dark place at night. Even in the real towns that we have up here, which by most standards are very few. You got Flagstaff, you got Sedona. Most of the towns up here, people from the coasts come here and see what we would call a town and then be like, this is a wide spot in the road. Mm -hmm. So very, very dark place. Even Flagstaff, world's first official international dark sky city. Mm -hmm. So even in Flagstaff, which is the most populated place in northern Arizona, the, the light at night is very dim. You get off the main roads, there's no street lights and stuff. Yeah, in other states, our town's constituted as like a flying J. Right. <laughs> and just next to Flagstaff, we are basically a border town with Navajo Nation up here in our little corner of the world. Out there, back in the day especially, there was no light at night. It was dark, dark, dark dark we called it the, i called it at least and some of the other cabbies called it the long dark yeah so we, you know hobbit nerds kind of thing yep so the company i was driving for i think i digressed a little bit i'm driving the taxi for a company who contracted with the hospital and flagstaff medical center is the only real hospital in all of northern arizona so anyone like at the grand canyon or out in any of those little towns out, out on navajo nation if you have a medical emergency of some kind and need to get to the hospital quick, they they're going to send you a helicopter and fly you to Flagstaff. Which is why you hear them in the background sometimes. That's actually, <laughs> yeah, you, you will probably hear some in the background of this podcast from time to time because we're right near the hospital. And this happens. is a MASH unit also. So, Yeah, we're, we're very mobile. Yeah, I don't know about how armored we are, but we are very mobile. <laughs> so those people who get flown in like that when they get released, if they don't have a ride home and they have good enough insurance, they can get the insurance company to pay the taxi to drive them home. Mm-hmm. And I was working the 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift for like six years for this company. I was total vampire cabbie, mm-hmm. full on overnight. Mm-hmm. And when we would get rides to places like out on the Navajo reservation coming out of the hospital at say one in the morning, that's going to be like literally a six-hour round-trip drive. I would always be the guy to get that run because I'm the only one working long enough still that I can get that run done and still be done hopefully by the end of my shift, if not close anyway. So I did these rides a lot where I would pick people up and smack in the middle of the night, you know, one, two in the morning kind of stuff and drive hours out into the long dark Mm -hmm. of Navajo Nation. So I get one of these rides one night. I think it was like one thirty ish kind of thing. I'm picking a guy up at the emergency room, getting discharged. And he's going way out there. I want to say he was going to Chin Lee. Might have even been a little past that, but out in the Chin Lee area. He was headed out that way. And so I pick him up. He gets in the car. I make sure I have his name right and his destination right and stuff like that. He just hunkers down the back seat. Middle of the night, guy just got out of the hospital. I figure he's just going to pass out, you know. So I just start driving. I put the radio on low. I'm driving. I'm 
you know, it's probably a two and a half two, hours. Two and a half hours to get there. Yep. Two and a half hours back. I'm yep. I'm probably sm- right smack in the middle of this the drive, rest, yeah. which right. puts me right in the middle of that long yeah. dark. I haven't seen another car car in 45 minutes an hour kind of thing. Yeah. Only light, literally, the only lights I'm seeing are my own headlights. Yeah. Continuously for an hour. If this is a physics class, the only event horizon is a Circle K and another hour and a half away. Yeah, and every once in a while, you come across a street light with a gas station under it, and then you're right back in the dark, man. It's crazy. It's better now, but it's still really dark out there. So I'm out there driving. This guy hasn't said a word since he got in. Figure he's sleeping. I'm just cruising along with the hum of the tires. And it's about three in the morning now. And a hitchhiker comes into my headlights. Creepy already, but in and of itself... Not totally unheard of. Not totally unheard of. Um, Navajo Nation's kind of like Hawaii in this way that if you're a local and you go out and start hitchhiking, somebody's probably going to give you a ride. Mm-hmm. And there's people out on on uh, Navajo Nation that live on one side and they got family on the other and all of a sudden they got to get over there for some reason. They don't have a car. Mm-hmm. They'll just start walking and hitching. Sometimes they get stranded in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night and have to wait for the next car to come by kind of thing. So in and of itself, not that weird. But this guy was striking. Big, tall, wide, like professional wrestler, NFL lineman. Six and a half feet tall. Big, just six foot. um, Definitely a good bit over six feet tall. Not like hugely disproportionately, but this was just a big dude, you right. know, like six and a half. If I had to put like rough numbers on it, six and a half feet tall, 300 something pounds, gotcha. you know, just a big dude. And he, his face. But it's so all, he's walking towards you. I guess he's, he's hitchhiking towards he, you. He's facing me with his thumb out. He's okay. hitchhiking. Gotcha. Straight up hitchhiking. Okay. I guess that's a good point. He's not like walking away yeah. from me and hi- yeah. hitchhiking. He's just standing there looking yeah. at me with his thumb out. Right. That is actually is a pretty good point. Because I saw that his face just all blacked out. Mm-hmm. What I would call being from New England originally, a Canadian tuxedo. Out here would be, I guess, cowboy. It's all blue denim. Blue denim jacket, blue denim shirt, blue denim jeans. Mm-hmm. I saw his belt buckle was big and shiny enough that it caught my eye with the headlights. Mm-hmm. In a big blue duffel bag like hockey bag kind of size if not even bigger kind of duffel bag Bobby or number four <laughs> sitting on the ground next to him so I just you know I, I just give him the wide berth go around him I don't think too much of it because like I said I've been out here enough times that a hitchhiker alone isn't enough to throw me even at three in the morning but just the way this guy looked at it, it's like, oh, that guy's super creepy. No one's picking him up, you know? Not even not even the other people who live out here are picking him up, I don't think. But that's gone from my mind, you know? Like, and I stopped thinking about it. Just driving, driving. And I'd say it was somewhere five to ten minutes, so call it like six, seven minutes maybe later, just to put a decent estimate on it. A hitchhiker comes into my headlights. Really big dude, blacked out face, blue denim head to toe, big shiny belt buckle, big blue duffel bag (laughs) on the ground. Definitely 100% same dude. I just drove 
How many miles? Five plus minutes. Wow. At 60 plus miles an hour. Wow. Same guy is back in front of my car. And there's car. no other road that he could... There's, there's one strip, I know. There's I'm, one I'm, strip I'm of asphalt. I'm actually saying, yeah. there's, no, there's no frontage road on the res. No, it's, it's a two-lane strip of asphalt yeah. cutting across 100 miles of dirt. Like, yeah. there's, there's, no, there's no way to yeah. catch up. Unless he was running faster than I was going. Oh, I know where you're, you're going. Yeah. Another but trope. guy's back in my headlights. I see him this time. Instantly, I'm like... Oh my God, that's the same guy. Yeah. So this time as I go by him, I like kind of turn my head, watch him go by in the windows mm-hmm. kind of thing as I drive by him. And I get past him and look forward again. I get the worst set of chills. So like my whole body kind of thing. You know what I mean? And my initial reaction is I'm tripping. I'm hallucinating from driving in the dark. I need to just like breathe, focus, get this guy home safe and clear my head right. is what I start thinking like real quick. That's going through my brain. Yeah. That's the cabbie reaction. Yeah. It's like the truckers talking about getting black dogged. Mm-hmm. I thought that guy just black dogged me. Right. But what happens is a voice from the dark in my back seat. This guy who has not said a word since he got in the car. Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, we see him out here a lot. Don't pick him up. Wow. I'm having a hard time processing it, even telling <laughs> it again for like the hundredth time. He says this to me. Yeah. My brain boggled. I really wish I had been able to maintain my wits more in the moment and ask questions. Yeah. My brain straight up boggled. Yeah. I just like peeked over my shoulder and I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Because you like that's all I said, but in my brain I'm like, how the hell did he see my hallucination? Mm-hmm. Wait, he saw that, yeah. so that wasn't a hallucination. Yeah. Did I really just see that? Yeah. And as my brain is reacting to him saying that, he then points at me, and very forcefully wagging his finger at me says, "But if you see the old lady with the long white hair, you pick her up." forcefully like that you pick he's pointing at me I'm pointing at Ma's all angry right now you pick her up and I just said okay because <laughs> <laughs> I was I was ready to poop myself yeah but I, I, I imagine so I went from thinking oh man I'm, I'm, I'm having tripping a problem out from here. driving yeah. in the dark to I gotta get the hell off this rest yep. <laughs> I am a white boy in a place where no white boy should be. Yeah. I need to get the hell out of here. I still have to drive this guy home. And you got to go back yourself. You got to go back yourself. And then when I dropped him off, we didn't see anything else before I dropped him off. I get him dropped off. I turn around and I doing my own version of praying really Mm -hmm. hard Mm -hmm. all the way back across that res with my sphincter puckered. Yeah. White knuckling the steering wheel. I'm a speed limit guy. I learned really early yes, on is. in my cab career that speeding's yeah. not worth it when you get a $400 ticket and ruin yeah. your whole week. Yep. I'm a very much a maybe a few miles over the speed limit guy mm-hmm. most of the time. I was doing 90 back across yeah. that res down those roads again, praying I did not see anyone mm-hmm. else that night. Thankfully, I did not. But would you have stopped? For if the- I had seen the old lady with the long white hair, I would yes. have had to have stopped and pick her up, right? Nice. And if I had seen the hitchhiker again, I I would have just yeah lost my shit yeah. 
because <laughs> then he's after me. You know what I mean? I'll get into the implications of things. Yeah, there are implications the to all this. But I, so that's my original story. I got follow-up to this from telling it to people. So this became my story. When people would get in the taxi and what then later became Uber, Lyft, and all that. What's the weirdest taxi story? When people ask that, which is a reasonably common question, mm-hmm. what's your weirdest story? Mm-hmm. I say, this one time do you like camp? scary stories? It kind of reminds Twilight me of the, Zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. movie. It, I totally feel like Dan Aykroyd in Twilight Zone when I say it too. I love it. Yeah. Like, do you like scary stories? Because I have a scary story. That's my best story. People, are, yeah, go ahead, and I tell him that. And then he eats them. Usually, I try to time it so that I'm finishing when he says. But if you see the old lady with the long white hair, you pick her up. I try to say that right when I'm getting to where they're getting out. Mm-hmm. And Don't. a lot, a lot of people just bail like get me the <laughs> hell out of this car but a lot of people uh, are like wow dude that's the craziest the thing story, yeah. i ask every driver i ever ride with that question i've never heard anything <laughs> like that you know and then there's people like in this next follow-up story i have to that so i have one of these rides one night in flagstaff i pick up uh four college girls at the bowling alley and they're going haven't back we all they're not like that oh okay so too old for college girls now i think <laughs> Uh, but I pick them up at the bowling alley, which is across town from campus. They're going back to their apartment by campus. By so the museum club there. Yeah, right next to the museum club. And uh, so they have a good bit of a ride to take, as, at least as far as Flagstaff goes. Not that there's any long rides in Flagstaff. But long enough that when they get in, and immediately one of the girls in the back seat says, what's your craziest story? Mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, I actually have time to tell this well because mm-hmm. you guys are taking like a 10-plus-minute ride kind of thing. So I turn the radio down. Do you like scary stories? Yeah, go ahead, you know. And I tell them that story, and I'm pulling into her apartment complex right when I finish. One of the girls does the get-me-the-hell-out-of-this-car-and-just-bails. The other three stay in there for a second. Like, wow, what did we just hear, you know? And again, a voice from the dark out of my back seat one of the girls goes don't be afraid of the lady with the long white hair wow wait what what did you just say to me you know (laughs) and she says I am half Navajo I grew up on the rest out in the area you're talking about kind of general area and uh, it took her a minute she had to kind of translate it in her brain but she said, essentially, the old lady with the long white hair is your saving grace. That's the term she came up with in English for it. Mm-hmm. And if she does present herself to you, she's going to do it in a way where it's like she looks like she's in distress. It, like if you're driving, she's going to look mm-hmm. like she's in distress on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And if you stop to help her, mm-hmm. she will help you. Mm-hmm. If you do not stop and help her, she will not help you. Right. The only way she presents herself to you is if the skin walker is after you yeah she's your only hope wow so if you don't stop and help her the skinwalkers oh i said it the skin walker is gonna get you yeah if you stop and help her she's gonna make sure that doesn't happen but you didn't see her you only saw the bad one twice 
But you heard about yes. the good one, but there was someone there to tell you of the good one. I have learned a lot more. Well, no, this well, this came. No, I know years that was years later. later, but so did the other guy right in the moment. So if oh, you see right, her, right. If you, you see her, you did up. get enough knowledge in that moment to know, hey, if you do see her, right. she, she will help you. So you right. got that message. The messenger I guess that's was there. True. He did do me a favor telling me that. Right. Now, all, all that I've been through and all the you know, additional research and stuff, especially with starting this podcast and everything, the more I've learned about all this, this kind of ties into a, a bunch of stuff we've talked about even. So where did I pick this guy up? Flagstaff. Flagstaff Medical Center. We've talked about that in yeah. these episodes. Yeah. There's occurrences that seem very skin walker related yeah. that happen yeah. around that hospital. Yep, a body in the 80s and we now, mentioned was found in the woods, kind right. of ritualistic parts of her missing right. and, and beyond. And my future story will tie into that a bit too. Now, I picked this guy up at the hospital. What, what do skinwalkers do when they start coming after you? They don't just attack you and eat you. They sprinkle some of that powdered baby and, bone down your chimney and it starts making you sick, right? Right. They're one of the ones that prefers to just make you sick over time. Right. So I'm putting all this together with my story, and I'm thinking that this guy I picked up is in there because of a skin walker to begin with. Ah. When he gets released, the skin walker knows it. Mm -hmm. He was following my car. He was, he was after following somebody, him, but he was after the guy in my back seat. Wow. Because what did Bone tell us? Bone, the, the bone native more likely to go after their own. This guy gave up his Navajo ways for the white man ways. He's I hanging bet. out in Flagstaff. And now the local guardian is not welcoming him back. Does not want him around. Wow. Him back. See, I heard, and I've got full disclosure, I've heard this story. You here telling me all the details in this way. Even more, and, and you're sharing stuff you didn't share before yeah. with me as parts of that, like that part. <laughs> that is a new revelation even for me. Yeah. Because it's really just all the this stuff we've been doing for the podcast really kind of brought that all home for me. Is Oh, and I, I did fail to finish that. That girl in my back seat who told me about Don't Be Afraid of the Lady with the Long White Hair, mm -hmm. she actually finished that. I left off the last bit. So when she finishes telling me that, I say, so that guy I saw, he was a, uh, and before I even got to say it, she went, yes. Yes. Yeah. And I said, and they, they see him out there a lot. And she's like, I'm from out there. We see him a lot. And then she just got out of my car. She didn't want to talk about it anymore. Wow. But she shared with you as a Navajo, sharing with you because she had a related story. She yeah. was explaining yeah. at least as far as. And something else just occurred to me. I picked her up on the east side of Flagstaff. I know dropped, the diagonal. Dropped her off on the west that. side. I picked her up in the territory and dropped her off outside the territory. Wow. So that di diagonal that Bone was talking about yeah. across. You know, we, heading, we, we drove right across that line during that ride. Yep, the border yeah. where the Guardian is. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, so that that story, and see, that's why I really like it because I have all this like built up on it now, and like there's these different pieces to it. There's this culminating theory that I can pull from it, where I really think that that the SW was after the guy in my back seat. Right. That's why I saw him a couple times, mm -hmm. and why that guy. The only words he said in that like two and a half hour ride mm -hmm. was don't don't pick, pick him, him up. up. 
And if you see, see her, her, pick her up. her up. Because he needs the help from her. He didn't say another word after yeah. that. Yeah. I think he saw that guy and was like, yeah. oh, no, he's back on my trail. He's coming to get me again. Yeah. And that's why he had to tell me, if you see the lady, mm-hmm. make sure she gets in this car or else I'm screwed. Wow. Like, I don't think he was even protecting me. I think he was protecting himself. Yeah, because in the way back, once you I saw dropped nothing. Him off, yeah, you once I dropped nothing. him off, I saw nothing. Yeah. And, and the thing with Bone saying they actually... Go for the Native go Americans for the, more the natives who, who went, gave up their gave native up their ways. Cultural, uh, yeah, gave hates their them more than the actual white people. Wow, that like really brought that aspect of it home for me. And now I really kind of believe that theory of for that is that that guy was in there because of it. That's why he told me what he did when he saw it. And I just hope that once I dropped him off, he changed his ways and did something because or else that guy was coming for him, man. Well, I hope we can get some more stories. I hope this entices folks to actually share some of the things that happen up in that area with us so we can actually keep this train rolling. Because, like I said, hearing the parts of the story I didn't know today and hearing the connections you've made is amazing. The real thing with stories, and I think this is an important reason why people who have experiences really should try to get out there and talk about it. Even if it's just with friends that you trust, mm-hmm. family members, never, even if you never make it public, we'd mm-hmm. love it if you brought it to the podcast. Send us yes. an email at monsterlortor at gmail.com. Change the names and stuff if you want. But even if you just find that one person mm-hmm. that you can say it out loud, rehash the story in your own mind, get the details straight for yourself, I think there is a therapy in that and that it makes it far less fearful. Right. And uh, it's still weird. It still might make you uncomfortable, but I think it will bring down that uncomfortability level with just the fact that this happened to you. Well, we, we a couple times you've done things about yourself or tell your stories. There's a, a waver and a quiver to your voice, and you were going back in time. I didn't get the chills moment. as much that time. I was trying. I was like really kind of locked into the podcast, like professional right. tell it for real. No, I've heard you there, so heard I, even worse. I controlled my emotions right there on that one. Usually my voice wavers a lot more when I yeah. tell that story. <laughs> yeah, and I've he- I've heard that. Like you do get into that moment and you go back to that and it's a it's a you can tell it's well, I, I evoking took, I took a, a lot. couple pauses there where it was like, Okay, hold it together. Yeah. If I just kept talking, you would have yeah. definitely heard that. Yep. It doesn't probably make you wanna take those runs out through the res as much after that. My lesson to people, believe believe my story or not, believe what I think it was or not, don't drive on the res at night unless you really are familiar and you really know where you're going. Yeah. If you get lost, there's not a lot of street signs, the turns or the GPS is can be sketchy and the phone signal can go out on you. And if you don't know where you're going, you get lost out there, even if you don't run into anything supernatural, it could just be a really bad situation because there's it could be a day mm-hmm. before another, just one more car goes by what mm-hmm. if they don't stop <laughs> you know well, what i mean it, it's not as bad as it used to be that story is probably 10 years old now i did drive across that same part uh of the nation at night what was it uh, a couple thanksgivings ago i think and it was still very, very dark. There's no real street lights or anything. But it was like the houses. There are houses out there. Like it's it's big acreage, ranchy kind of living as far as, you know, where they put them. Mm-hmm. But it used to be like they didn't have electricity 
And if they did, they didn't use it at night. Like they didn't really use it. Mm -hmm. Like they used it for their refrigerator. You know what I mean? Uh, So it would just be serious, just void abyss blackness. Now as you drive along, it's like every house does have a light on on the outside at night. So you'll be driving along. It's almost like uh, if you've seen the Elon Starlink chain of satellites going by in the sky, there's like there's one and there's one. You'll see like, You'll be looking off into the desert like, oh, there's a light. And you move up a little more and you can see past the next hill. Oh, there's a light. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's super dark and it's still really eerie and it, like you could still totally get lost and stuff. But it's not just straight void. There is like light in the darkness literally now. Yeah, I would say, you know, the first time I went across it, real quick, Myos file. First time I went across, it was probably eight years ago, made that trip, maybe nine Okay. And uh, I've made it several same times. Time, little after my story. And and if we ever get my wife on for any of the other stories, if we remember, we can ask her. Okay. Where are the two times I ever told her I was spooked? And there's only said it to her twice. Ooh, that'd be a cool interview. With, and, you know, with I, I could. Do you Mrs. want me to say Maz. it now and like I write it down and see if she guesses it? Because yeah, say it now and then we'll match it up later. That'd okay. be great. So the two times I told her that I was spooked was that road in the middle probably by Chinle or Cayenta or wherever the heck we were right. on the way to Durango. Out the same way I was out going. The out, out the way. way to Durango towards yeah. Four Corners. We had Cort- Cortez. You know, four Corners. We had, Cor- we had that brew pub in Cortez and we go to Durango. That's the that's the drill on that one. Yeah. And um, There's a Mexican joint in downtown Cortez that I really like. That's where yeah. I go. Yeah, the brew pub's pretty good. I think it's a German flair to it, if I remember correctly. And then uh, Durango's, wow, you know, it's a cool little town. Yeah. But... The this the second one was actually, and if we ever do something on this, but I, I we got lost in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. We got on the wrong side of the canal, and I ended up, you know, it's kind of the Delaware's there. Then there's a canal there, and we ended up getting turned around, and I didn't know where we were. And there's big old plantation-y, almost spooky trees, and I looked around. And I just got this vibe, so I found the place on the map exactly. It's called the Devil's Half Acre. <laughs> And there's oh, a no story. Bu- so there's only two times I ever said I was spooked to my wife. And, and we've been on a lot of ghost investigations, and I never said I was spooked. You didn't know you were there, but you got spooked no, by I looked, later figured that out. That I got spooked and looked it on the map to see where I was, and it was called the Devil's Half Acre. Wow. And there's a story about some deaths on that little plot. Impressive. So, yeah. Okay. So those are the two. And the other one was the res right where you're talking about. There you where go. Where I'm just like, whoa. Yep. And it may have been just the desolation. I had, and I did a lot of those rides. And I, I I had to go out there still sometimes even after that doing similar rides like that at night. And it, I didn't ever have a similar experience, which again leads me to believe that it was after the guy in my back seat. Yeah. Amen. But I did. Right? I would get I mean, creepy feelings. Bad for him, but good for you. Like uh, <laughs> if you look at the map, okay, if I got rides out of Flagstaff going up to like Tuba City, even out to Kayenta, uh, or like going up to Page, driving up all the way across the north side. If I was driving on that west side of the res at night, it was okay. But like once I got out yeah. east, poking, the farther east, over the it's like you said in the episodes, the closer you get to Four Corners. Mm-hmm. That totally jives with my experience. Because mm-hmm. like getting to Cayenta was okay, but you didn't want to go out the other side of Cayenta at night. Yeah. You didn't want to go anymore. Right. Like that was the edge. That was the edge. Nowhere. And like Tuba, I never, I was, I'd stop in Tuba at three in the morning in an empty parking lot and get out and stretch my legs, smoke a cigarette. And like I'd been driving for so long. Like 
I'd hang out in the dark mm-hmm. in tuba, and it was cool. And for, but for those not familiar with Cayenta, that's from it, Monument Valley. That's right where all those old Western shots of Monument Valley are. Is that Cayenta is on the like edge. the yeah like once you go past Cayenta, you're going out into that. You yeah, know? it's the edge of that Western side of the res in my mind. But uh, but yeah, like places out uh, like Cisco says when he was out in that eastern part of the res at night driving, if he was on his way back driving through that dark and he had to pee. He would literally just stop the car in the lane, like not pull over, stop the car, open the door, stand up, mm-hmm. pee on the road, get back in the car and drive away. Mm-hmm. Not even walk around the car, don't pull over, mm-hmm. like as quickly yeah. as humanly possible, yeah. get your business done and go. Yeah. Like that's the, that's, and like all the drivers were like that. Like there were certain yeah. places they'd get, like if you were going to tube at night, people are like, yeah. oh yeah, okay, no problem. But you saw Chin Lee and it's like, Oh boy, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go out there right now. <laughs> well, we've all seen the. I, I love it during the day. I I think it's a beautiful driving out there during the day, but at night it just gets spooky. Yeah, we all all seen the boyfriend and goes, "I'm going to go check this out," and like he never comes back to the first car. guy to die in the horror movie. Never man. comes back. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah, first one to go right yeah. there, and then second, the girlfriend. Yeah, usually. Yeah, sometimes they get away though. They got Our at least a twenty five percent. The one that wanders off by themselves, the first one to get naked. Mm-hmm. Um, the if old, you wander the, off the by old, yourself naked, that's even worse. Yeah, yeah. The old rules were the minority, but mm-hmm. they're trying to get away from that now, which is good. Well, Jaws. Think of Jaws. She wandered off naked and swam. She right. She went she off by herself doomed, naked. Doubly like, doomed. You don't survive that. Yeah. No wonder you're the opening scene. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I feel like we've been rambling too long. This episode's going to be so long now. <laughs> Let's get the hell out of here, Moz. I hope everybody enjoyed Bones' interview and my follow-up story and our uh, ceaseless ramblings there for a while at the end. But there we I, go. I feel like those were worthy tangents, one and all. Awesomeness. Uh, I'm going to cut it short, uh, my usual spiel, but check out our members area, patreon.com slash Tour website, monsterloretour.com. Till next week, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one, listener. Monster Lore Tour Podcast.